Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Journey Within Podcast. I've got a good guest and actually a great friend here that I've got to know over the years, Jeff Quarter, who's actually the founder of HuntWise. Um, and Jeff, I was trying to think. How long ago did we actually meet? You know, I was trying to do the math. I think we we met more at the beginning of Hunt. It must have been in like 18 or 19 because mm-hmm. we met like two years before I even knew we were going to work together. We, I, Listen, uh, I remember we, we met at a pizza place off 28th it was. Street. Yeah, yeah. I, I still remember. <laughs> Oh, and like I think it was like we didn't really either know what it was going to be at the time, and then like a couple of years later, it just like the the stars aligned and and we ended up working together. So yeah, no, yeah. this is, this is I the probably the number one question um, that I get either on social media through the podcast or anything is like, how do you get into the outdoor industry? Right, like that's every everybody that listens to me anyway. That's that's their dream. And this is, we're going to, we're going to cover how you got into it, but, but just like that, the introduction happened through a mutual friend to where, Hey, Jeff's got an idea. No, you're in the industry. You guys should have lunch. Right. And that's, that's how, that's how our relationship started, right? It was taking time for lunch because you never know what door is going to open after that. And we'll, we'll get into how you came up with the idea, how you got in the industry and all that. But I just wanted to like, for all the listeners, like, if you get an opportunity like that, you got to make sure to, to, to do it. Like, don't be lazy. Like it's just, it's just a lunch. It's just an introduction and so forth. You never know where it's going to go. No, I think that's great. Just to always be just like intrigued and listening and putting the dots together. Yep. Cause you never, you never know. Exactly. So let's, let's dig into your early history. Like from Michigan, obviously I know that, but for everybody listening, Jeff's from Michigan, um, how did you grow up hunting? Did you, like, how did you get into, into hunting? Yeah. So we are, our whole family is a big hunting, fishing, outdoor family. We have a, a family farm up near Sydney, Michigan, where we do a lot of that. Um, you know, I have pictures of, we did like uh spearing pike, like ice fishing. I, I think my dad said at seven months old, he had me in the ice fishing shanty. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so it was like a, family tradition for sure in our family um and then it kind of um i mean became a passion of mine i you know i started doing different things that we didn't do growing up like we didn't do a bunch of turkey hunting but over time you get buddies and you you spawn out into different areas of it but um i'd say just a large uh family passion with cousins dad brother etc so do you have, what, what was your main like thing that you hunted when you grew up with your family? Oh, just white-tailed deer mostly. Okay. Um, okay. We like at our farm, we had a Christmas tree farm. So we like harvested Christmas trees, um, but had a couple hundred acres and just picking spots. Um, 
more food plots and land management later on, but just a lot of uh, sand hunting, bow hunting was always our favorite. October one was the day, yep. right? Yep. Um, and so we'd always, and then November 15, so the night before, the evening before, going to Ponderosa, uh, like all the things that just created all the memories um, was was probably around like bow hunting mostly. It's, it's funny. It's funny. You say the, the traditions, I, I was literally just before we hopped on here, um, Roger, one of the WTA consultants, he handled, he specializes in Europe and I'm working on scheduling a whitetail hunt in Finland. It's, it's where you can go and hunt whitetail deer free ranging in, in Europe. And he's messing yeah. and we were messaging back and forth trying to get dates worked out. And he's like, how about if you left on November 15th? And I'm like, well, actually, that nah, listen, I can't do that. I mean, I can do a lot of things. How about we miss Thanksgiving? But I can't I can't leave on the 15th. And I hit him with, I've hunted by myself for 27 years now. Because back when I started, you could hunt when you were 12. I sat with my dad, obviously, before that. But when I became 12, I was literally hunting, hunting by myself. So it's been 27 years. I haven't missed a November 15th. And there's going to have to be something dramatic for me to miss a November 15th here in Michigan. Oh man, I hear you. Yeah. And it's funny how like certain dates people will say things on certain dates. I'm like, oh, that's October one. Yeah. yeah. You're like, yeah, yeah, that don't uh, no, that won't work at all. No, that, that is just a no go. I've got that crossed off on my calendar. Yeah. Yeah. So now that you've been in the like you said sp- expanded out, started doing turkey hunts and so forth, like now what's your favorite hunt? Is it still that archery October first? I think there's like so many uniquenesses to like time of year and what you're doing. Like, I just, I love the seasonality and all the opportunities, but I would say, yeah, just the potential of, of a big buck coming out and being out there in the fall. The fall is by far my favorite, like weather time of the year. Mm -hmm. Leaves are changing. It's just like, you can't beat the fall in Michigan and the leaves are changing. And so I think all of it, so do you have like look looking back now, um, do you have a favorite memory that from hunting when you were growing up? Favorite memory. Um I think one time when I was I think I was um like fourteen years old, um we like we hadn't had the caliber of bucks that we we have now. And so um we were gun i was gun hunting out of this old tree house that we had um built a long time ago and we ended up moving to our woods for hunting um and i just remember seeing this thing come through the swamp and you know you're just shaking and like you're still learning about everything um and i was able to make a shot on this and i i couldn't find it right away um and then i had everybody come in on you know, at lunchtime and we were out walking for it. And I just remember like walking up and I saw this thing kind of leaning against the tree and it was like, you know, just a feeling that like you did it. And I think it's big. And as you walk up to it and you're like, it is big. Um, and with your dad and your brother around you, it's just like, you know, you're hugging and you're like, it is, I, I just remember that one. Um, And then the very first deer I got, I remember I was like, almost like apprehensive to walk up on it. You know, you're like looking for this dead deer. And I I just remember the feeling of like, is it dead? Is it going to like jump up and get me? You know, there's just like when you're a brand new hunter and you like haven't learned anything yet. Um, Yeah. So some very like vivid, very vivid memories of certain times. And those are the ones that, that you'll remember for, I mean, basically every, like they're ones that every time I hit the woods, like I'm sitting in, in an archery stand or something like that. Like I think about the same memories over yes. and over. It's like, like those are the ones that are ingrained of the reason, the reason why. I don't know if I've ever, ever told anybody my first, my first white tail was actually off the good old Michigan deer drive when I was 12. Like I hunted that nice. that first week with dad, like we were in the stand, didn't have anything. And, and back then, like, and I still know people do it today, but I mean, deer drives in Michigan were a thing. 
30 years yeah. ago. Like that was, that was the big thing. Like you hunted that first weekend. Um, and then after that, you usually got together with a, a group of friends, family and, and started doing drives on all the, all the property. And that's how I, I shot my first deer. It must've been, I don't know, 27 yards away. That's all. It was, it was close, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. Uh, Michigan six point off a deer drive. That's where, that's where my deer hunting started. That's awesome. Yeah. So let's get, let's, let's dig into your story now. Um, sure. like anybody that knows you knows you're the founder of hunt wise, but let's, let's back up 10 years. And when you were like leaving high school, explain when you, when you went to college or, or what happened in that time period to take us to where you got the idea for hunt wise. Yeah. Um, so I went to college for computer science, uh, technology, but I also was like super interested in film and video and storytelling. So I, um, I had this kind of like unique combination of like creative art, film, storytelling side of me. Uh-huh. And then this technology, like um, I could code, build web pages, apps were kind of becoming a thing then. Um, and so that is kind of the backdrop. I will, we'll set that as the backdrop. Um, but I remember... Uh, we were going to the Todd farm, you know, the Todd farm down in Fenville, yep. Michigan yep. Uh, to, to do a hunt. It was like my buddy, Josh Duckworth and I were in the car. I think it was like four in the morning, whatever, whatever time you had to get there for the draw, like four in the morning, um, four thirty, And you go there and you pick a blind, right? Yep. Like you pick a number and you get to go around. And I'm the, like the technical part of my head was like, there's you know, there's weather conditions. There's all these things that are happening. I wish I had something which told me which number to go to. Yep. Um, and like, I just was thinking about that, that whole hunt. I'm like, and I came home and I'm like, I wonder if I could like program based on the wind and some of the other weather conditions. Like if, it, if I could have like picked what blind was the best. Uh-huh. So like I went back and like got all the harvest reports from the year before of the farm and, um, just started tinkering to see if I could predict, you know, create some kind of little algorithm that would predict it. Uh-huh. And that, that was like the first thought before this was a company, before it was anything was just like, I wanted a better spot to hunt for a, right? for, for like when the idea came, it was personal, right? Like you were trying yeah, to, it was, you were it trying was to figure out when, the problem. Yeah, when you go there, how do I best increase my odds? Yep. And I think like, now that was for like, goose hunting which obviously is a lot different than deer hunting but um but i kind of brought that premise into deer hunting um and said you know everybody is using the the solar calendar and i mean there's wild opinion whether that is accurate or not some people swear by it Mm -hmm. some people are like it's a joke all i knew is like weather played an important part in it and way more than just a single variable um so that was like the founding like principle of, of not even the business I would say yet, but the core concept of, of what HuntWise eventually became. Um, I think like, well, I'll stop there for a second. Were you in, <laughs> were you in school at this point? Was it after school that you, that you did this? Yeah. So this was, this was all after college. Okay. So I was, I was still working, um, at a film company and then in town here. Um, and I was doing a lot of like editing, storytelling, creative branding, marketing, things like that. Um, but I would, I took a lot of projects on the side, um, in, in tech, whether it be building web pages or things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just kind of started like coding on the side um, it eventually came out and this is while I was still in the film company, I'd created the app. first app was called hunt predictor. Um, and, uh, I'll be, I'll be proud if any of your listeners are, are like new of hunt predictor, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it was the first, like, I think it was like a hundred thousand. We actually got some traction with it, but it was just this concept. It was this cross platform app that, you put your location in on a little map and then it gave you the deer heads, which, um, we, we had till we just recently kind of changed how it shows, but Mm -hmm. we've had that for a long time. Um, and that was kind of the basis of, of where it began. 
this um, this little formula used to predict what spot to go to on the Todd farm to um, the first app called Hunt Predictor. Now, what was the timing of this? So you like the hunt on the Todd farm, and then you went and did it, yeah. and then the the first Hunt Predictor app that you built. Like, what was the was that months? Was it a year? What was it? No, I would say like a year or two. This was like 2012, 13, um, probably 14 is when like Hunt Predictor was around in okay. the app store. And, and this is like when, like if you had an app, you were like, it was great. Yeah. If you like, if a company had an app, it was like something pretty cool. Not like everybody has 20 apps right like, like every now. company yep, yeah like now yeah yeah so the bar was like the bar for quality was just like do you have an app or not not like does it have to be world class and yep. do everything right well that's actually crazy to i mean so think about that it's only it's been less than 10 years yeah. since that and the yeah. way the world's changed with apps now yeah like Are to you, even enter a market it's like you got to have such a polished idea. It's got to be crafted right. You got your UX UI right. You got to deliver to the right market. Um, it's, yeah, it's quite a curve, right? I if mean, you look back at the last decade. Hey, everybody. I just wanted to drop in and remind you of an important tag deadline. We have Utah elk, deer, antelope, moose, sheep, goat, bison on April 27th. And Kansas has their deer on April 28th. The Idaho Moose Sheep Goat on April 30th. And to kick the month of May off, we have the Montana Moose Sheep and Goat on May 1st. Make sure to give the team at WT a call and get applied. Yeah, like I, I look now and just what I like check the weather. I use an app when I'm in a city yeah. to call a car. It's Uber. Like, I mean, even like I'm, I live very rural, so I'm not getting any Uber Eats or anything here. But like when I go and visit people in the city and, and we're not going out, Man, they got an app for it, right? Like you need, like you don't call people. Like that's that's a foregone thing. Now where I live, like we still call to order pizza. Like people are probably listening and laughing at that, but yeah, like we still call here. But like there's literally an app for everything. Yeah, and just <laughs> and it's so crazy to think you know ten years ago that wasn't the case. How it's how yeah. it's progressed over over the ten year period. That that like if I sit there and think about that, that's crazy. Yeah. It's wild. And like the whole, like, you know, technology in the outdoors, like I'm still at kind of like a love hate relationship with it. Right. Yeah. Like, you, like you sit in the stand now and have to like our usage spikes when people are sitting in the stand. Right. Yep. Like um, there's like good and bad for it still in a lot of ways. I still, I like going into it when I go to locations that don't have signal, like going into it, I'm, I got to let, you know, 150 people know I'm going to be out of signal. I got to pre-plan. I got to let the kids know. I got to let the wife know. I let the office know, the the social media, team, like all, all this stuff. You got to pre-arrange everything. And then as soon as you get back into signal and turn your phone on, gosh, like the messages and emails just come and you're like, oh, gosh, this is why yeah. this is why I had to stay in signal. But la last year, dad and I were on a stone sheep hunt in British Columbia. So obviously no signal. And the guide we were with Dawson explained it best. It was like day two, we were sitting there eating a freeze dried meal for, for dinner or something like that. And he looked at me and he goes, you're starting to get to the point that you're relaxing. Mm. And, I, and I said, what, what do you mean? He goes, it's the same for people in your age that are still working. Every single person does the same thing. Like you just left technology on your bush plane coming here for an hour. Like that was, you sent your last text message. You checked your last news article, responded to your last email, got your last pick, all that stuff. And when you land here with me and he's like, I've been here for six weeks and all I, all I have is an in reach. So that's how I'm messaging. And he goes, mm -hmm. I, I like, I don't know sports scores. I don't, I don't know what's going on in the news. Like I, I like, I'm just bare minimum on my communication with, with, um, with his wife. So it's like, okay. And he goes, when you guys hit the field, it's all, it's all the same. Like you can tell, like when you get here, like the level of excitement, the plane leaves, we start getting the tents ready to spend the first night here before we hike. And he goes, when you get the tent set, when you get everything all ready, and when we're sitting down to eat, it's all of a sudden like a look of fear is on your face, right? 
Now you've gone literally a couple hours without your phone and you haven't checked messages. You may have had one that you haven't responded to or something you forgot to do. And that's, that's, he said for the next day, like you guys all do the same thing. And it's like this level of panic. Like I can't communicate. I can't respond, you know, in, in minutes like you used to. And he goes day two, day three, it's like a, uh, the wool, the heavy blanket is lifted off you guys. Right. Cause you, now your brain realizes I'm not, I'm just, I mean, there's 12 days, right? I'm not going to respond to anybody for 12 days. And, and your brain's hit the point of that's okay. I don't they, like, I told everybody I was going to be gone. Now I'm gone and I don't need, I don't need to respond. And he goes, that's when you guys start truly enjoying what it is to be off the grid. Huh. And, and like, he told me that and I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm taking it in and I go back to my tent and I, I'm laying there and I'm thinking about it. I'm like, man, he's a hundred percent right. And it's like that, like day three for me, it was like, yeah, we got to strap on the pack. And now it's, it's not about responding to an email, not about, you know, getting your kid to a sporting event, not, not about, um, a call that you got to do or something you got to do for work. Um, literally when you're on the mountain and, and you're in that type of atmosphere, it's a strap on the back and you're just surviving, right? It's just a hunt. And now it's, now it's survive thing. And, and like, you just like, for me, I just enjoy it. Right yeah. now when I like, yeah. you're so relaxed when you get back and like you get back into signal and I even caught myself like when I got back into signal, I didn't turn my phone on. Right. I waited a couple hours before I even turned my phone on because I knew the second I turned that thing on, it was going to explode. Yeah. But that's where like that tech, the technology we've come as a society so used to like holding the phone in the hand. Right. Like, and then all of a sudden you get the weekly usage report and you're like, man, I wasn't on the phone that much. Was I? But but it, but it is it, like it is what it is, and I I've gone like I, I feel like I'm everybody. So I get in a tree stand, right? You're sitting there archery hunting, and back when I started, you didn't have a phone. You just went and you sat in a tree stand for three three and a half hours, and and you enjoyed everything. And now yeah. it's like you're on a tree stand and you're looking around, you enjoy it, play a game on there, respond to some messages, email, check the news, check the sports look up and like, it's, it's a, it's a different type of interaction with the, with the outdoors now. Yeah. Which I even think like there's, I don't know if it's like a moral dilemma or, yeah. or ethical or something of like, because you have so many people like in the marketing app world that create experiences that drive you back to your phone. Right. Yep. Um, yep. Like that's their job. And I, I think like, you just got to be careful because like at some point or at a lot of points you should ask, is this good for people? <laughs> you know, is this because like, you're going to become like a, the user is going to not be able to get away from it. And you yep. miss, you miss part of that. You yep. miss part of the experience. Yep. So like, yeah. So like my phone is attached to my, my Garmin watch. So I track my steps and yada. And then you, you Bluetooth it just like almost everybody has a watch that doesn't know. But like I get a push ad, right, or a or yeah. or a sports score. So I'm sitting there, and you're, you're like, I got my phone put away, and then all of a sudden your watch vibrates, and you're like, dang! And it, like out of instinct, yeah. you just instantly flip the wrist, and you see what it is. And then I'll sit there for a little bit, and it'll be like, I should probably check that out. Uh, yeah, I should, I should definitely look at that. And the next thing you know, you're digging out your phone, and you're and you're checking on it again. And that's that's. But you're right, like the the marketing people behind all these all these apps, their job is to create the the user experience and to get them on the app and, and as much time on the app as possible right so that that's what they're doing and they're good at their job yeah but it's funny i'm like even my apple watch i was reading this article about how like they, they measured anxiety levels with people with apple watches uh -huh. and um just because you get the you get the buzz right you oh, get yeah. the little ding and it makes you feel like you need to look at it to see what it is and it actually produces more anxiety than it than not um, when you have it. So like now on on like Sundays, I like don't wear a watch because like I want a day where I am like not feeling the buzz. Mm -hmm. Like it's helpful a bunch for work, but um, you you do have to to know your limits. And uh, but I don't know. We we've always I think there's a lot of good that technology can do, and I think there's. Um, for like what our original like intent with HuntWise is to help you save time because yep. time is like the ultimate. Now with like four kids, I'm like time is the priceless yeah, exactly. piece that you have, right? And so 
if you can optimize that time so if you can only hunt one day a, a week or whatever it is or one day a month i don't know whatever um situation you got going is you want to pick the best day yeah. and so that was kind of the premise of of hope hopefully what we wanted to essentially solve is like make the best use of your limited time and that's why like i that's why i fell in love with the idea right because the average so like i i relate everything to to michigan here so your bow season starts october 1st and it goes to december 31st but it's tough to hunt in december actually it's tough to hunt after the rifle season starts just because everywhere the, mm -hmm. I mean, the deer get educated but december it's cold so october 1st like that first couple days good then everybody talks about the october lull so you're like the deer season's long but it's short at the same time and yeah. for somebody like like for you now you've got four kids and you, and you work like how much, honestly, how much time can you spend out in a tree stand? Not how much time you want to, how much time can you, right? One, <laughs> yeah. one or one or two days a week. And like, you're in the, in the industry. So you're like, okay, if I only get to go out one day this week, I want to max out my chance and my stand location that I go. Like, why would I not yeah. want to do that if I only have one or two days? But truthfully, why would I not want to max out where I'm sitting every single day that I get to go out? Like, yeah. that, that's just like you're doing that anyway between trail cams and your wind sets on your on your tree stands and so forth. And you guys just you guys compile that and, and make you a more efficient hunter. As I, as I look at it, and if you're more efficient hunter, you're having like you're having a better time. It's not okay. I got one day to go out, and you know what? I didn't realize that the wind was going to switch at 4:45, and the stand I'm in, the wind switched. Now I'm it's completely blowing the wrong direction in my one day, and and now I get down on myself. And am I going to go out the next time I get a chance? Like like that's where I fell in love with the idea to max people's experience when they go out because a lot of it's limited on how many times they get to go out yeah yeah i think that's like our, our core one of our core questions problem areas that we want to solve is the when when to hunt and where to hunt are our two core pieces um when based on all the wind and timings and fronts and pressure changes and things like that yep. and then Whereas not only like, hey, I'm going to go to this field or that field or this public land or private land, but also what stand, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. Like where, where on my property. Yep. Um, and so, um, yeah, yeah, that's kind of a big part of, of why we built HuntCast into the current tool really was a, a new form of Hunt Predictor, which was the first tool. Mm -hmm. Well, okay. So let's back, let's back up now. Explain you've, yep. you've got Hunt Predictor. Explain how it went from Hunt Predictor to actually up and going at HuntWise with a with a like the early stages of HuntWise with a couple people on board and, and like explain that that took you from Hunt Predictor to that. Yeah, so you know it's funny. I look back and I I, I laugh because I say when we when we started out we probably like made ninety percent bad decisions and like when we sold maybe we made like fifty one percent good decisions. Yep. Um, so it's like this, this progress of like a learning how venture capital and like how venture works simultaneously with like being a new business owner and a first time CEO. Right. Yep. So, um, I had to like personally kind of change as you progress, especially in the venture world, you have to kind of change your mindset on what your job is probably every six months. Mm -hmm. Um, so like when we started, I had developed the first app. Um, I was programming a lot. We had a team of, um, I think we had like three or four people initially in 2015 is when we incorporated. Um, and so really like we were just trying to like, uh, ha like have product market fit, right? Like s seeing how we could get the app into as many hunters hands as possible and see what was wrong about it, what we needed to fix. Um, so that was kind of like the early stage days. Um, we had, you know, some, that's just kind of like when some of the other apps like Hunt Stand and Onyx were getting started as well. So mm -hmm. you kind of are like looking at, there's only a handful of people in the market. And so, you know, you're kind of seeing what everybody else is doing. You're saying, what is my little area that I'm going to be good at? Um, and so that was kind of like, 
the early days. And I would say it's interesting because we made some like really good first assumptions, but we also like, as we grew, probably did some things that I wouldn't have done again. Like we, we had, we had hunt predictor and then we moved to fish predictor. Uh Um, and then kind of immediately after that, we had like sports, actually a sportsman tracker, which was the, the name of our company app. And I feel like we, instead of like honing our core thesis of that when and where to hunt, mm-hmm. we kind of went broad to fit into fish. And then we consolidated into the sportsman tracker app. Um, like in hindsight, I would have kind of like stuck with our core thesis than trying to like go so big so quick Mm -hmm. um uh because eventually like then in 2017 is when we actually said hey i think we need to pause we had something great in hunt predictor let's really iterate on what we had that was so great there um and really focus all in on hunt Mm -hmm. um and so that's when we had some branding work done. We brought in um, uh, Spencer, who was uh, our head of growth, or at least our marketing, a VP of marketing. We rebranded the HuntWise. And I think that was the point. I would say, like, when you talk about inflection points, I would say that would be an inflection point when we when we had, I feel, the the right brand in the market. We had actually experienced people at their position not that we didn't before but like um to actually craft the business as much as we were crafting the product mm-hmm. um and i'd say like our, our the ramp at which we could learn things increased um and that was just kind of a pivotal moment i feel like when we actually started to learn learn a couple things that we had i'd say missed on the year before um and uh that's when i'd I'd say like we kind of hit our first level uh level of of growth of inflection was when we actually like brought hunt wise the brand to the market and consolidate consolidated our thesis into just um the hunt cast piece which is like when to hunt right like I look at it and I've been, uh, uh, I was fortunate to grow in a family business until I was, uh, 29. Um, and then I stepped away and I've kind of been a, a serial entrepreneur over the last 10 years. So, yeah. so doing that, like everything that you just said, you know, like the learning along the way, like that's extremely common when you step into a, especially like you did gr- grow a business from nothing, a scratch, an idea. And like one of the things nobody likes to talk about is the funding along the way, right? Like you, like you didn't have unlimited funds. So like, as you were growing, you were trying to one, make sure that you could keep the door open as you were, as you were doing it. And now like you're in a a different position now and you can look back and go, well, I wish we could do it. Would have done it a different way. But like at that time, like it's tough to go back and think where you're at in that mindset at that time. Like when you were, yeah. when you were making that, especially because you guys made such a big splash, like when you came in, into the market, as far as user numbers and so forth. Um, and then you're like that, that choice is always there. Like, Holy smokes, we're, we're going so fast. Can we just keep, keep that up? And I think now, like if you, you kind of hit that, that circle in your, in your growth to where like, ah, I wish we wouldn't have grown so fast. I wish we would have just fine tuned earlier and just just on that, which like, like my whole point is like, that's very common, um, for somebody growing a business from scratch. Like nobody's perfect, right? Like Elon Musk didn't, didn't grow everything perfectly. Like he, he learned a lot along the way. Hey guys, are you into keeping your whitetail herd healthy and strong? Go check out Buck Bourbon and their full line of mineral and attractants. Personally, my favorite is 110 proof because I've had some great memories and great deer taken over top of it in the state of Kentucky. Born from bourbon, field tested, wildlife approved. Check them out at buckbourbon.com. 
Hey everybody, I've been partnered and working with Bass Pro and Cabela's now for a long time. They're your one-stop shop for anything outdoors. Personally, I use them for all my camping and backpack needs for all my backcountry trips. Make sure to check them out at BassPro.com or Cabela's.com. Leopold offers the best optics in the game, bar none. I personally have their Santium binos and never go to the field without their Pro Guide spotting scope. I've got a Mark V on all my rifles, and also don't forget they've got some awesome eyewear as well. For more information, visit Leopold.com. Yeah, no, I think that's right. And I I tell people now that if you're like considering an app, I'm like, realize that you have to think through how you're going to like fund and do the thing through version three, because just assume that version one and version two are going to either be not what you want or not what your customers want. Yep. And so um, you really got to like, like think through, okay, I got to get to at least version three before I identify if like the market even wants what I'm selling. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, that was, that's a, that's a learning that doesn't come easy. No, that's hard, hard work that that (laughs) gets you, gets you to that point. So, so, um, all right, now let's talk about what the, what the app is like, like now. Um, Yep. And like I said earlier, like I, I love, I love the app and love getting involved with it because it makes a hunter better, right? Like that's how I look at it. Everything that the app is built for, it makes, makes yeah. you better, or prepares you more for the field. So, so like knowing, knowing that, like just list some of the key learnings like you've had over the last couple of years of, of like user feedback. What are some of the things on the app that people use the most? Yeah. You know, I think like, from the journey of a hunter really in an app, you know, I I tell our team that we have five chances, you know, five tabs at the bottom of your app that are like quick bookmarks to things that matter to the hunter. Right. And you want to know, like at the time that they're going through, whether they're planning for a hunt or going the next day or next week or whenever, or in the field that you can, uh, be the be at those pivotal moments um, and help guide them to success. Um, so the two things that have done that for us um, in the app as it stands today the most are probably the map, the mapping functionality, um, and then the hunt cast. Um, the hunt cast is predominantly used um, in planning for choosing that optimal time, right? And it's something we've spent years on. Um, a lot of data, a lot of years on honing our, our prediction algorithms to make sure that like it's not um, it's not perfect, but if it can increase your odds by twenty to thirty percent, um, we want to help people do that and easily easily figure out you know hey I'm going to choose this day over that day. Um, some interesting things we've done with that in the last year to two years is that we've we've brought in two features, windcast and rutcast. Mm-hmm. Um, rutcast has been very popular in identifying when the rut is in your area um, each year and then teaching you through the phases of the rut of how to hunt it. Um, so that's one, I'd say one iteration that has taken on really well and on the hunt cast side of things, the when to hunt. Um, one thing on the where to hunt, our mapping uh, we just signed a new provider, so we have um, updated satellite imagery for within one to two years for the whole United States. And so um, looking at, like when you're looking at a farm or features on a satellite map, you can um, have more recent imagery. And that was one of the feedbacks that we got earlier on is is always either out-of-date imagery or the landowner lines landowner information was out of date. Mm-hmm. And so those are two things that um, are important to customers, you know, and getting a better real-time view of their property. Um, so that's one thing we're investing in is just um, quality up-to-date mapping and satellite imagery. And that's more on the where to hunt side. Um, so yeah, those are the two kind of like, I'd say core feature sets. Um in hunt wise, um, we also have like a ton of branded gear. Um, I shouldn't say branded gear, a ton of brands 
um, discounted gear that are sold by brands. So mm-hmm. if you move to like our pro or elite subscription, there's some pretty like heavy discounts. I'm always surprised at like actually how much you can get off of some of these like brands. Like when you get 40% off, that can save you some serious money if you're buying. Absolutely. Um, if you're buying like higher end gear, or even mid-level gear. Um, so I'm always like surprised on how much people save just from the, the gear discounts inside of the, you know, inside of the subscriptions. Yeah. And that, that relationship with the brands and the app, I mean, it makes, like it makes a ton of sense. They're every, yeah. every brand's looking for how to be a direct consumer, right? Like how do, yeah. how do I be a direct consumer? And well, the consumers are on, on HuntWise, So you kind of use that as a step, step in between. And it just makes it, it makes a ton of sense for the brands to be on there. Yeah. So yeah. I will say like, I love, I love the win feature that's on, on the app. Like, I love how you can go through your, like, if I'm going to sit there for three hours, I can, I can scroll through the time so I can see what the wind's predicted to do as, as I'm sitting there. And like the feature makes it easy to see and easy like, as I'm like, I can literally see across the food plot, how it's supposed to, how it's supposed to go. Right. Yeah. Like it, instead of sitting there going, well, it's out of the Southwest. I'm pretty sure that as I'm sitting right now, they mean Southwest coming this way. And then all of a sudden I'm sitting there and like, I was, I was completely off. Right. I was, I was, I was not, I didn't have my Southwest right. Or, or just the direction that the wind was going. So like everybody asked me what my favorite feature is. I love the wind. I love the predictor because I'm a hundred percent using that here. Cause I'm the, I'm the same way, right? Like I only have, when I'm home, not traveling, filming, I still only have so many days that I can go out here between my kids sporting events when I'm home. Like I try to be home. So like I've had, I've had a couple good falls, on my literally on my driveway here at my house, but I yeah. literally I use the app to to tell me when the best time is to go out. Right, like yeah. I, like if I've only got a couple of days and in between practices and everything, and like if I'm if I'm using it and it says these are your best two days, well darn it, I'm trying to schedule around that I can get out one of those days just to increase my odds. Yeah, yeah, and Mark, I will. I checked with my product team literally today. Um, they okayed it for me to give you a preview of our feature that's coming out this spring. Okay. Um, which is, I think will be helpful for you in this conversation. Um, we're, we're going to bring a live radar into the app. Um, and it's going to be a pretty enhanced view of it. That's going to be just awesome for hunters. Um, and so one thing that we've always worked on is like getting people like, uh, you know, which day to go and which yep. time. Yep. Um, and we wanted to give like a more live, like real live view of what's going on right now. That's um, awesome. So first time ever um, that people will know that is on this podcast. That's, so. a, that's awesome. <laughs> that, is, that is awesome. So spring, yeah. spring release coming up. Live yep, for turkey season. Can't, yep. can't wait to, I can't wait to see what that looks like and how it goes. So Real quick, you mentioned on it, explain the, the membership levels of HuntWise. Yeah, so right now we have two, two levels. Um, you come in as a basic and you can get a free trial of either the pro or the elite. Um, and so our pro version um, gives you, I believe it's seven days of the hunt casts. It unlocks a lot of statewide layers. So like public, um, public lands, different types of layers within your state the pro feature unlock that um the discounts i believe go up to 20 percent on pro um and then we have um, elite which is our higher tier um that gives you the full 15 day weather forecast now i know people don't trust the weather like two days out yeah exactly but if you're but if you're choosing to like a lot of times fronts won't change though if a front's coming through it might mm-hmm. be like a day or two different and so a lot of people if they're planning like an out-of-state hunt or want to choose like hey i can either choose this weekend or that weekend um it will like pick out some of those broader movements and help people in that way um so um elite extends those days out and then the rut cast i I believe rut cast is only an elite okay um and uh yeah there's a whole then your discounts go up to 40 percent only on different gear um Check out the website for the whole slew of things. There's a whole slew of things on each one of them. 
but those are kind of the, some of the core features. So like, what's the, what's the number one feedback that, that your users say is like, this is, this is the best. This is why, this is why I come and this is why I use the app. I'd say like mostly would be for the hunt cast piece that they had success in getting some deer, like mature buck that they were after. And we like pinpointed like Friday. At, I mean, they're literally, we'll give the time. they will yep. be like the app said 8am and at 8.06, I shot this monster. Um, the, it's tailored towards like buck movement it doesn't say that at end, but I just know how it's made and that's mm-hmm. it's it's tailored towards that. And so I'd say that's that'd be the number one reason. And a really close follow would be land ownership, um, lines on the map so you can see where every parcel is. And then you can actually click a parcel and um, you could call the person right from the map. So if you are like tracking a deer that goes on a neighbor's property or um, want to ask for permission to like a field to say waterfall hunt or something, um, you can get that right from the app, which is I um, mean, like super helpful. So when I travel, yeah, out, when yeah. I travel out West, like, so when I travel into the Dakotas and I, I don't know any neighbors out there when I'm, when I'm bird hunting, but when I'm driving the roads and all of a sudden you, like I can see some roosters running across the field, I'm like, man, I wish I know who that landowner was so I could at least try to get a hold of them while your app makes it super easy. Um, yeah, yeah. The other, the other one when you told when you told that story of of the the hunt predictor, right? Like the the perfect time is is five o'clock. So my story, like when I first started using the app and using that hunt predictor, I was um, Columbia whitetail hunting in Oregon, and I remember I was texting Ryan and Ryan for anybody listening, Ryan Watchorn's the the CEO of um, WTA, and he's he's worked with Jeff and knows Jeff very well too. And I was messaging with Ryan, and he's like, "What's it What's it looking like for tonight?" And I'm like, "Well, I, I was. It's funny because I was where I was hunting. I've hunted there a couple of times, but with the app, I could lift up and I could see all the neighbor stuff, right? So you're like, I'm sitting there." And now I'm using the app just to like, okay, there's a house over here and okay, it makes sense. There's a natural draw over here and like where we're setting up, they had acorns dropping like crazy on a ridge, like perfect, perfect deer setup. And I'm like, and um, Rob, who was my guy, he's like, yep, the deer bed over here and over there. And I'm just using the app and I'm using it to, to just better educate myself of the surrounding, not just the property we were hunting, but the neighbor's property, right? Like the neighbor on the other side of that, like how do the deer move? Cause these are all fairly small on their houses. So the deer are moving in between and the hunt predictor said it was like six o'clock is the perfect time. And I kid you not, I shot my deer. It was like six Oh two. And I like, it's one of those moments you're like, that's it. I'm using it every time I go out. It is dead on. I don't even know if I need to go out. If it doesn't tell me to go out, I'm not even going out. Like that was, that was my mindset like, like after that. Like it was just one of those things that was stupid. And I remember I've got a screenshot on my phone of the hunt predictor. And then it's like a tro- we were taking trophy picks. I kid you, like 16 minutes later. It was, it, yeah. was, it was ridiculous. But that when you said that, you reminded me of that story. Yeah. It's so fun. I mean, that's like. I just love that. I mean, like, just as a hunter, it's like you want to be successful in the field, and it's um, if we can like be a part of that in some small way, that's just awesome. Yep. You know, it's all those those stories are are what makes it. So, and, yeah. and I don't. I'm gonna ask you. I don't even know if you can answer or not. Like, how many users actually use the app in the fall? Yeah. Um, you don't, like if you can't answer it, don't answer it. I just had to no, ask because no, anybody, anybody that'll be listening will be literally blown away with the users yeah. that are on the app. And it's one of those things yeah. like you said it, the algorithm keeps growing, right? The more yeah. data points you have, the more fine tuned it is. Like everybody that's used the apps, like, man, it's it, everything's more fine tuned this year. Well, it's just more data coming into it, right? It's more touch points. It creates the algorithm that fine tunes. So you're like, man, it's even better this year than it was last year. Yeah, it's in the seven digits. How about that? <laughs> there, so we'll, we'll we'll go off that. So seven digits. Anybody anybody that's that's listening that doesn't know, just Google real quick how many hunters are in the U.S. and you'll be blown away by the number of people that are that are on the app compared to to hunters that are in the U.S. Like that that tells you the reach that the Huntwise team has got there in in 
Jeff, I mean, looking at the timeline here, right? So you really started that in 15. It's been eight years to think about what you've grown and done now. Yeah. No, it's just like it goes by so fast, too. And just to think of how things have changed, but yet, you know, somehow an idea you had still was able to 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 be still in market yep <laughs> it's, it's pretty cool and that's that's i love i love having people on and getting to talk about how success was to to get into the outdoor industry right like you like it sounded yeah. like at a point you didn't even know you wanted to be in the outdoor industry you loved the hunting and fishing part of it and then all of a sudden you came with an idea and, and you ran with it right like very yeah how many i look out of 10 or out of 100 people who were in your position, how many would have took that idea and ran with it? Not many. Yeah. You, yeah. There's not, there's, you gotta there's, have resolved too. Yep. I mean, I, there are so many times you could have thrown in the, you know, different raises. Like we raised like four rounds of funding. Mm-hmm. One was easy and four were not right. Yeah, like, like, <laughs> it, like it, it, that's a true story. Like that's part of the that yeah. venture world of growing a business and doing it like that when you don't, when you don't have the capital, like most people don't have the capital to grow. So that's, that's the most reasonable option. And like, I, I just say hats off to you. There are lots of, yeah. not very many people would have ran with it. A lot of people would have gave up cause it got hard. You didn't. And now you're, you're living in the success of it. Like that's something to be proud of. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. You're a part of it. Too. I was, I was, a, I was a very small part. So WTA was a very, a very small part of, of just hopping on and enjoying the ride with Huntwise. Um, I know Jeff said is the home city. Home city is actually Grand Rapids, Michigan. So from where I live, it's about an hour and fifteen minutes. That's why, like this, we met for lunch, right? Like it was an hour and fifteen minute drive for me, a thirty minute drive for Jeff or whatever, and it had all our relationship all started from that one lunch. Yep. Oh, sure did. Well, that's awesome, buddy. Thanks for coming on today. Um, I do want to get like Spencer and the guys on too, just because I know like I'd love to pick Spencer's brain, right? Like the like the everything that that he's learned or little little things on the marketing. Like I think that would be really intriguing um, for listeners just to hear that. Like I can't wait to hear the feedback on on our podcast today, just because again, like the number one question is how do you get in the into the hunting industry. So we always get stuff back on, on when people hear different stories of, of like how I got to become a guide, how I got to become an outfitter. Like everybody loves those, but like your story, Jeff, it's, it's so unique because you started a, you literally were outside the industry, started the business and successful in such a short period of time. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. I think like Spencer would be a good, those guys like, cause they're not like outdoorsmen by, um, by birth, I would say. Yep. And so you'd get a, a cool perspective of somebody um, coming into the industry and being part of it. Um, but I appreciate it, Mark. This is great. It's yeah. awesome to talk to you. And uh, hopefully anything's helpful for, for your listeners out there, too. Yep. So anyway, anyway, check it out. HuntWise, if you guys don't have the app, go to the App Store. Check it out. They've also got their website. Um, plenty of info on there on the on the membership levels and everything. And again, like I I can vouch for it. I use it every year and love it. Thank you everyone out there for all the support and downloads. Don't forget, go leave a five-star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts. That always helps. Also, if you're looking to book the hunt of a lifetime, go visit WTA at WorldwideTrophyAdventures.com or give the team a call in the office at 1-800-755-8247.